Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. On a dark and stormy night, in the dark cave of man's mind, Shaytan once lit a campfire and settled down to tell a story, a myth in fact, and it went like this. Once upon a time, Islam was revealed to a prophet of near godlike perfection. He shared it with his friends, who were all superhumans. They implemented it with inspirational dedication, passion and flawlessness. Since then, it has been passed down through the generations and only a privileged few are able to embody the wisdom, piety and errorless rejection of sin that its holiness demands. By Shaytan. The end. You know what? Shaytan is sneaky. His goal at the end of the day is to get as many of us into hell with him as possible. And one of the ways that he does this is by using this myth of effortless, perfect implementation of Islam by effortless, perfect Muslims. Because the idea is this. Shaytan says, do it all perfectly or just stop because you're just embarrassing yourself. In fact, a person like you has no chance of getting into Jannah. His message is so insidious that people actually give up trying to be better Muslims because they fall short of their own expectations for how effortless and impeccable their Islam should be. They try hard to implement Islam. They go through the motions, even when their hearts aren't in it. And because they find themselves being pulled in two directions, they assume they're doing something hypocritical or wrong and they stop altogether. Shaitan wants us to believe that there are naturally religious people and then you know what, there's just everybody else. He wants us to believe that the reason why we're having a hard time isn't because spirituality is one of man's greatest struggles, it's because we just aren't one of those beautiful people. So the sister who yearns for the wind in her hair gives up hijab because she feels like she's living a lie. The brother who has a beard shaves it because he feels he doesn't deserve one until he can maybe quit the drugs he's doing. The convert that won't pray until they're sure they've got all the words right. All of these are success stories for the myth of the naturally good Muslim. They are Muslims who, instead of realising that struggle was a sign of progress, saw difficulty as a sign of defeat. And some people do fall for that. Then we have some great example who don't do that. For example, Imam Sufyan ibn al who saw through this cheap trick and insisted on praying at night for 20 years, even though he wasn't really kind of feeling that spiritual connection. Imam Sufyan al-Thawri says, For 20 years I waged jihad against myself. I struggled all throughout. I struggled all throughout to remain standing in prayer at night. For those 20 years, I never tasted the sweetness of the night prayer. It was only after that that I found comfort and sweetness. Imagine if one day he'd just thrown his hands up and said, you know what, I'm just not cut out for this. I've been praying for 20 years and I've yet to find this whole peace and contentment thing with my salah. What's the point? I'm never going to get it right. Because shaitan is trying to convince us that because, because our Islam is less than perfect, that we're just a failure and we should have just given up. In reality, Everyone is a sinner, and the jihad of the nafs is a constant struggle for everyone. The best people aren't those who don't sin, but those whose sins cause them to try even harder and draw even closer to Allah the next time. For some people, major sins can be 
a major setback. For others, they are life-changing events that mark the end of the road and the beginning of seeking Allah's pleasure. Every Muslim is a combination of successes and failures when it comes to their religious practice. Everyone everywhere accumulates sin on a daily basis. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O my servants, you sin by night and by day, and I forgive all sins, so seek forgiveness of me, and I shall forgive you. Shaitan wants you to think that the passing grade for this test is 100% and that failure is everything else. But if you believe him, then you're buying into an insult to Allah. How is that? Because Allah is the most merciful. He is the most forgiving, the most loving, the most gracious, the most kind. He alone has attained perfection and he is the all-knowing. He knows how and what we're made of. So by what crazy logic would he mercilessly penalise us for not reaching a standard that he best knows that we can never attain? Shaitan might add at this point, well, okay, Allah is the best, but surely you can't think that you're going to get into Jannah with that rubbish soul of yours. If you think you're too bad for Allah to forgive, then you're grossly underestimating Allah's capacity for forgiveness. By saying this, we're implying that our capacity to sin is even greater than Allah's capacity to forgive. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't call himself Al-Ghaffar, the continuously forgiving for nothing. On the authority of Anas, may Allah be pleased with him, who said, I heard the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam say, Allah the Almighty said, O son of Adam, so long as you call upon me and ask of me, I shall forgive you for what you have done and I shall not mind. O son of Adam, were your sins to reach the clouds of the sky, and were you then to ask forgiveness of me, I would forgive you. O son of Adam, were you to come to me with sins nearly as great as the earth, and were you then to face me, ascribing no partner to me, I would bring you forgiveness nearly as great as it. So repentance for a mountain of sins is equal to a mountain of blessings. The greater the sin that you've committed, the greater the reward for seeking forgiveness for that sin. Knowing that this is how Allah subhanahu works helps us to appreciate how truly generous Allah is in his forgiveness. Shaitan wants us to forget that Allah is the greatest, even in his capacity to forgive those who sincerely ask it. He wants us to think that we only have two choices, perfection, or failure, and since perfection isn't going to happen, what option does shaitan leave you? He wants us to give up. But you know what? There's a third option that shaitan doesn't want us to remember. Between perfection and failure lies our only real choice to fight, to fight shaitan's insistence upon our failure, to fight our own soul's inclination to sin to fight our own weaknesses and no matter how hard we've been hit or how long we've been laying on the ground, we need to get up and keep fighting. We need to fight shaitan as hard as he is fighting us, as long as he is fighting us and we mustn't stop fighting him until the angel of death draws our soul gently away from our body and to the safety of our grave, spacious and fragrant with the winds of Jannah 
where we can finally relax a little, reassured and kept company by our good deeds until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises us up. Just because our hearts are aching now and we're locked into the seemingly endless cycle of sin, regret and self-reproach, it doesn't mean that we're a lost cause. It's actually good news and here's why. Because the human heart or the soul or the nafs has three settings according to the Qur'an. The lowest or the default setting is the nafs al-ammara bisu. The lowest level of that soul is that it is inclined to evil and a majority of humankind lives in this guiltless, no regrets, live for the moment mode. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, and I do not free myself from blame. This is Yusuf alayhi salam talking. Indeed, the human self is inclined to evil, except when my Lord bestows his mercy upon whom he wills. Indeed, my Lord is forgiving, merciful. Knowing that it's possible to have varying levels of soundness to one's heart or to one's nafs or soul, means that a Muslim shouldn't always rely on the soundness of their heart to provide a compass to morality, because our hearts might not point us towards what's right. It might actually only be pointing us towards what we want. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Furqan, Have you seen the one who takes as God his own desire? Then would you be responsible for him? So the second setting, the kind of medium setting, is the nafs al-lawwama. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Qiyamah, I do call to witness the resurrection day, and I do call to witness the self-reproaching soul. So this is nafs al-lawwama. This is a soul that battles with its desires, that commits sins, yes, and then reproaches itself and tries harder next time. It has awareness of its shortcomings, but despite its imperfections, it hasn't given up. Our guilt and our self-reproach about the shortcomings in our Islamic practice are evidence of having made progress on our spiritual journey. The bad news, though, is that shaitan is always trying to knock us down a notch so that instead of trying harder, we might just stop trying altogether because we've decided that, you know, we're just hypocrites and then you've written yourself off as ever being a quote-unquote good Muslim. Alhamdulillah though, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has good news for this reproaching soul. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And hasten to forgiveness from your Lord and a garden as wide as the heavens in the earth, prepared for the righteous, who spend in the cause of Allah during ease and hardship, and who restrain anger and who pardon the people. And Allah loves the doers of good. And those who, when they commit an immorality or wrong themselves by transgression, remember Allah and seek forgiveness for their sins. And who can forgive sins except Allah? And who do not persist in what they have done while they know. So the very fact that we're aware of our shortcomings, even pained by them, it's reassuring proof that we have a nafs al-lawamah. If we didn't care, if we didn't want to care, and didn't even want to hear about why we should try to give a care, well, that would be a lot worse. I mean, you'd probably be happier and more at peace with ourselves, but many modern proponents of self-worship would say that you'd actually be wallowing in heedlessness. So what's the highest setting? Well, the highest setting is nafs al-mutama'inna. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O oh, you satisfied soul, Mutma'inna, oh you satisfied soul, return to your Lord pleased with yourself and pleasing to him. Enter among my servants, enter my paradise. 
So that's from Surah Fajr. And okay, we might not be there yet. And that's okay. We can still strive to accomplish this though. The contented soul or the satisfied soul. This is the highest setting for our heart. It's a place of happiness, peace, acceptance and sweetness of faith. It takes hard work to get there and Allah has good tidings for the contented soul. But amazingly, this, not, not even the contented soul, is described as a perfect soul. It's just a very happy one and very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in a nutshell, no one is perfect except Allah. So don't hate yourself for being an imperfect Muslim. You're not the only one accumulating sin every day. So don't let shaitan pick on you. The difference between a so-called good Muslim and a so-called bad Muslim is not that one sins and one doesn't. It's that one seeks forgiveness and tries harder, but the other one doesn't. And remember, shaitan is trying to trick you into thinking you're a failure so that you should give up. And believing him is the only way that you're going to lose. And fighting him is the only way that we're going to win. And there's one more thing that we need to remember. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not place a burden greater on any soul that, than it can bear. And that means that whatever situation you're in, despite how hard it seems and how badly shaitan is trying to bring you down, you can overcome this. You can succeed. You can find a way out or a way through that's pleasing to Allah and perhaps even terribly frustrating to shaitan. There is nothing coming that you cannot handle, not because you're so great, but because Allah is the greatest. You, he knows what you're capable of and he promised your challenges would never exceed your strengths. Allah sets us up for growth, not for failure. And Allah never, ever breaks his promises. Shaitan, on the other hand, is always lying to us. He's saying that anyone who's struggling with deen shouldn't even bother to try. Whereas uh, Allah subhanahu wa gives the double the normal reward to those who have difficulty in what they're doing. For example, if you're trying to read Quran and you're struggling and you're, you know, stumbling over the words, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't look down upon you, quite the opposite. You actually get double reward than the one who can read Quran fluently and easily. The Prophet Muhammad وسلم, said, the magnitude of the reward goes along with the magnitude of the affliction. So in other words, the more afflicted that you are, whether it be with stress, with illness, with financial difficulties, with emotional turmoil, or just self-reproach, the more you will be rewarded when you succeed. And the fact that you're struggling right now isn't a sign that you should just give up. It's actually an invitation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to come closer to him. So with that, I'm going to finish. And if anything in this talk was beneficial to you, it was purely from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Glory and praise be to you, O Allah. I beg of you forgiveness and return to you. Ameen.